With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I, got, I don't know how the fuck we even got here. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I think like ultimately the Knicks just need to like be okay with not everybody needs to be a star and you're not going to hit a home run on everything. A single is fine. Working the count is fine. Getting on base is good. Like, you know, pick another baseball analogy I haven't thought of yet. But like the, the Knicks, they, they don't need to fucking like, you know, they don't need to hit everything out of the park. Like you need to hit one or two things out of the park and then everything else you do, as long as it's like getting on base is fine. Was right? there a guy you guys like in the draft? Drew doesn't know anything about the draft. <laughs> no, who did I, didn't I pick someone this, uh, in, in one of our slacks who's going to be, in the slack, then I pick I, like Halliburton. Yeah, I think you said Halliburton was your guy. <laughs> okay. uh, I like. I'm I'm a big Killian Hayes guy. I like Killian Hayes yeah. a lot. I I get like I haven't watched enough Lamelo games or Anthony Edwards games to feel super super strong about them. But I think like those two also have the right kind of fit and star upside. But I really like Killian Hayes. I think he's got the polish, and I think he's got like three level scoring ability. And you talk about like a guy that you can play next to RJ. You know, yeah. that's that's kind of like the guy that you'd want to play next to RJ. Um, I mean, he's like he's like Frank, but with like actual offense. He's a really <laughs> good shooter. He's a really good shooter. Like, I, yeah, I. Killian Hayes to me is one of those guys, I, almost like a John Morant, who I just feel like is going to come in and be really good, like day one, just come in and be really, really good. Yeah, oh, I he's mean from France. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's like a, he's 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 French and American, so I think he was born in Miami, but he moved to France real quick. Yeah, um, and he's been splitting time between like. He basically like spends most of the year in France, but has spent summers in Miami, where his his Maybe his mom. I think his his dad is from Miami or something like that. Whatever it is, um, but yeah, I mean, Killian would be. He reminds me a lot. I think I've made this. I've made this comparison before, but I, he reminds me a lot of like Jamal Murray. But he has way better passing skills than Jamal Murray. But the type of score he is, like, because I, I was really really high on Jamal Murray before that draft. Um, I even like I said I would I would trade like. A future unprotected first, just to any team that would like draft Jamal Murray and trade him to us. <laughs> um, so like I was, I was a huge Jamal Murray fan, and I still am. And like, I think he's really good, but he's not a primary ball handler. And like that's because he just doesn't have the vision. Um, and I think that's the difference between him and Killian Hayes, where like they both have, I think they have similar like scoring kind of um, instincts and tendencies. But Killian is his passing is so much better than Jamal, so yeah. so much better. Yeah, I'm. I I he feels like a guy. I don't know. Just to me, like like I like Lamella Ball, but he can't really shoot. 
And Killian Hayes has a little hitch with his thumbs, but it's not. I mean, that's something you can fix. And I don't know with Lamella, like, I don't know what, where you start fixing that shot. Like, Anthony Edwards looks like a great scorer, but only does much else for you. Um, which, like, I mean, you guys could use, right? You guys could use just this guy you give the ball to and let him go. But I mean, ultimately, like, the Knicks just need to take whoever they think is the best player available. Yeah. And he's, like, other than fucking Wiseman, no, nobody else. There's not another, like, I guess, okay, like, with Wiseman and Okongwu, you kind of have to consider. Then you're, you have to ask yourself what you really think about Mitch. Because you can't play either of those guys with Mitch, right? Right. Um, so it's like, are you, if you're not sold on Mitch, then it's okay to take those guys. If you think Mitch is a starting caliber center and potentially more moving forward, then it's, then, then you, it's absurd to even consider taking either of them. But other than that, like there's not any other player projected in like the top 10 where I, I would even consider fit because it's like, I mean, LaMelo, he's what, like six, seven, six, eight guard. Like, okay. You can play him with RJ. You can play him with Frank. You can play him with Mitch. You can play with Knox. Like you can play him with any of your young guys. Right. Yeah. And, and that's Killian the same. Anthony Edwards the same. Like th- fit. That's probably like, the one really, I think that's one thing that we have going for us that you don't necessarily have with your <laughs> young core. Like, I don't think fit is, especially in terms of like adding a wing or a guard. I don't think it's a, a huge concern with like the young players that we already have on our roster. Whereas I like, you guys cannot take another, like, it, it'd be really hard for you to take another player whose primary value is all about what they do with the ball in their hands. I like, think oh, we're about to. Yeah, I think you're going to because yeah. I think Gilbert is just like that dude who like always wants that guy kind of guy. Also, but I, like, like, I, think, I think a Coro would be great for you guys. Yeah, no, I like a Coro a lot. I actually like Killian Hayes a lot, but like just somebody who's like above the average size for their position that's long is always good for me. But like Dan Gilbert tends to like guys that aren't super long that are below their height for their position. Um and so I am uh, I'm just awaiting whatever six foot two guard we draft to go next to Porter well, and I just did a uh, a tankathon simulation and uh the Hawks won the lottery and they according to Tankathon picked Anthony Edwards. The number two was the Hornets, James Weissman. I don't know who that is. Uh, LaMelo Ball is a three at the Wolves. And then uh, I can't pronounce this guy's name. This guy from USC. Okongwu. Okongwu, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, went to the Warriors. And then the Cavs drafted Killian Hayes at number five. Okay. And then the Knicks drafted Tyrese Halliburton, my, my favorite player in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> at number six, so I mean, I've never seen play. <laughs> yeah, he said supposedly he plays for Iowa State, which I didn't. Yeah. Didn't um, didn't what's his name? Royce White play for Iowa State? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Hoiberg. I, I may have to. I may have to revisit my uh, Halliburton take then. <laughs> Hoiberg coached Iowa State. Um, I don't know if you're looking for any more Iowa State connections. <laughs> oh, Fred Hoiberg. Oh God, this is. Oh, okay. Tyrese Halliburton is officially off my uh, my number one draft board. Do you guys remember when the Bulls hired Hoiberg? It was like he's the next Brad Stevens. Like just like this, like 
<laughs> just like yeah. fantasizing of like these young white college coaches that like they're just like oh just yeah. wait and the, see the bulls yeah now, they're, yeah now they're stuck with uh what's his fucking name boylan boylan yep. <laughs> okay. so speaking of coaches um the knicks have been apparently linked with tom thibodeau uh, uh. According to a uh, very strong enemy of the show, Jonathan Macri. Oh, God damn it, Macri. <laughs> uh, according to sources, as he put it, one person with knowledge of their thinking, their being the Knicks, thinking, put the odds at 90% that Tibbs will get the job, with Miller staying on in some capacity. Um, I think Macri needs to stop talking to uh, Frank Isola for, uh, I... for his sources. <laughs> I, I kind of think this Tibbs thing is going to happen, man. That wouldn't surprise me. I think it's going to happen. I think – I don't know even know how – like, oh, man, it sucks. Like, I'm, I hate Tibbs. I, I don't hate Tibbs. I, like, I don't think he is particularly innovative. Uh, I think, like, especially offensively, he's definitely not. I've, co- I've definitely revised my criticism of his defensive strategies being outdated after, like – Realizing the fact that Cat is just that shitty, yeah, that bad. <laughs> um, like, I don't, I don't know how much to put on, put that on him. Um, and I know that like Minnesota had the fourth best offensive rating. Uh, I think the year they had Butler uh, in Minnesota when they first traded for him. Yeah, it was something insane yeah. like that. But like, I, man, the offense is just like it's not like I know. It's kind of like when the Knicks had that third, so they had the third best offensive rating in the league or whatever the year that. Um, you know, when we won 54 games, yeah, yeah like it, it's like, yeah, that's a really great, like it works in the regular season. But if your entire offense strategy is like, well, we'll run everything. There's one guy. And then like, he'll just have to figure it out when the defense rotates on him. And from there we'll go like that doesn't tend to work very well at the higher levels. And like, I guess maybe the Knicks shouldn't care so much about the, like they need to like worry about being good in the regular season for being <laughs> for worrying about being good in the playoffs. But Oh, man, the tips thing is just it's so uninspiring and so uncreative. Um, but like, you know, I thought the same thing. Like, I thought the same thing when the Lakers hired Frank Vogel, and like Vogel kind of had a similar thing where he was awesome with Indiana, gets canned because you know reasons not really of his own. Like, you know, it, not because of him, but just. Things get stale, and so you got to make a change or whatever. Gets canned, then goes to Orlando. Sucks in Orlando. Absolutely sucks in Orlando. And everybody just assumes like it's because he sucks. Then hangs out for a year, and then gets the Lakers job. And all of a sudden, like, like, and everybody shit on the Lakers when they hired Frank. I shit on them when they hired Frank. Vogel. Yeah, I'm pretty like, sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Did that, I'm sure if you search my name on Twitter and, <laughs> and Frank Vogel, you'll find all kinds of mean just shitting on them and saying Jason Kidd was going to be the coach by like January or something like that. Uh, but like done a really good job with Lakers. So I don't know. Like, I guess that is really the only that, that, that would be the the shred of hope you hold on to at the next hire Tibbs um, that maybe like the time away did help him kind of come to grips with where the league is headed and what he needs to do to adjust to that and all that kind of good shit. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would not be a fan of the tips hiring, but I think that's where it's headed. 
One thing that we could be also like a silver lining is that Tibbs is going to play Frank. I think that would oh, be yeah. a given thing. Like there is no way Dennis Smith Jr. sees the court with uh, Tibbs oh, as coach. Like he will lose <laughs> his absolute mind with Dennis Smith. And um, and for Peyton, I don't think he would like lose his mind with Peyton. It would just be more like, oh, if Peyton doesn't get over like two scre- screens in a row, he's gone type of thing. I think that's the one thing, the one positive like Tibbs would do is just make everyone to be accountable. So I, I guess that's a positive, but at the same time, I mean, he's going to, I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled the Fisdale. It's just like, all right, RJ, you're going to play, you know, 50 minutes per game and just do everything, which I don't know if that's actually the best idea either. Cause like, I don't know with, uh, with him. So it, as all we can do is hope for the best that he learned something, but he doesn't seem like a guy who's like, Oh, I had some time off. I'm going to learn and reflect on so- things. I actually think, like, defensively from a tactics angle, Tibbs is still pretty good. Like, that pick-and-roll defensive scheme is what you're seeing kind of, like... It's what we run right now under Miller. But, like, Toronto gives up a lot of threes. But, like, just generally, like, kind of the most advanced defensive teams that aren't Toronto or Milwaukee, that just, like, you don't give up a lot of threes, you don't give up a lot of layups. So kind of like the Spursian type, like give up well, a lot of What's the Knicks are doing right now with yeah, Mike yeah, with Mike Miller. And, but I think the problem with Tibbs is it's actually a little bit like Jose Mourinho in the Premier League, where like the team's really gonna like him the first year or two, but then like guys like RJ Barrett are gonna get really <laughs> tired playing forty four minutes a game, eighty two <laughs> game season, and like maxing and, out on defense the entire time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then they get tired. And that's always been Tibbs' problem. That was his problem in Chicago. And the Bulls were just really good. Like, in a way, Derrick Rose getting hurt was really good for Tibbs because it meant that, like, Jimmy Butler was able to take on that role. But, like, I just think as a long-term coach, he's not a good pick. And maybe that's fine. Like, maybe you have Tibbs. You let Tibbs kind of develop RJ especially, but Frank too and Mitch too. And whoever you guys draft this year for a few years, and then you fire him and you bring in the guy that's designed to take the team kind of the next level after that. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I mean Tib- Tibbs is Tibbs has actually like low key been fine in terms of development. Like yeah, Todd. Like he did it's well really with good. Todd. Yeah, he did well with Todd. Did well with Butler. Um, I'm trying to think what other young guys he had in Chicago. Frankly, well, he had Noah. Felt, like. Yeah, he did well with Noah. Like, I mean, Noah wasn't a young, yeah, but yeah, he he definitely like pushed his game higher. Yeah, um, like Tony Rose Snell was terrible. Like, yeah. Tony Snell, like, and he made Tony Snell like a below average player, which is saying a lot because <laughs> yeah, that's Tony just... Snell was terrible. Uh, yeah, like I mean, his development record really isn't bad. The big, the 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 main concerns with Tibbs are like, yes, like his. His like whole messaging can get very tiresome after a while, and then also like the other—I mean, the the elephant in the room is just the minute shit. Like the minute shit with Tibbs mm-hmm. is a real concern. Like the guy loves playing seven eight man rotations, and his starters are all gonna play like fucking thirty five minutes or more, and like that's what he does. And I mean, that's what he did. Okay, that's what he has done through his career. Did he, you know, spend this time off? understanding and appreciating the advances made in like medical science that you know values rest and like recovery and and not playing guys <laughs> I don't know maybe he did I, I maybe he did and and it'll end up being an inspired hire like I have no clue I 
don't Tibbs doesn't exactly strike me as the kind of guy who like reflects all that well. <laughs> it's a new thing, but like I don't know, maybe he did. I I I can't say. Um, I just I don't know. Like uh, I don't. I just I just want if you at least if you hire Tibbs, at least add add an offensive mind to that staff, like. Add somebody who's not just going to be like, well, we're just going to give this guy the ball and hopefully he's good enough to elevate everything. Like that's basically what he has done uh, through his like coaching career, like be it Noah. I mean, as soon as Rose went down, he ch- like he has shown adaptability. I will give him that. Like as soon as when Rose went down, he changed his entire offense to like run through Joakim Noah in the high post. Um, yeah, and it was relatively effective too. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. for what he had to work with, it was the best he. he, he, he yeah, that's why I said relatively effective. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I and, think Fibs is really good with bigs. Like, as a general rule, like offensively, bigs do really well under Fibs because I think he lets them, like, he gives them a little bit more room to make mistakes. So, like, mm-hmm. Pau Gasol, like people don't remember, but like Pau Gasol became a really good offensive center under, like, he had totally declined in, with the Lakers, and then like was revitalized under Thibs. Yeah, he killed it. Like he had, he was like a 2010 guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. His numbers right now. Uh yeah, so his last year in LA, he was he was 17 and 10 and three and a half assists, but he 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 was uh 48 29 splits from the field. And then goes to Chicago, eight and a half and twelve, three assists, forty nine and a half, forty six point two splits from the field. Like his minutes actually went down. Down, yeah, yeah. They played uh, him a lot less because uh, he they had Noah too on that team. Right, and they were, right, like right. they were not usually together. Yeah, they sucked together, right? It was not like a yeah. big problem. Yeah. Uh, and he he went from fifty two true shooting to fifty five true shooting his first year in Chicago. Yeah. And I mean, he was like 34. So the fact that he was still good at that point was he was better his first year in Chicago, like substantially so than in L.A. And, and but that's been Thibs's thing, even in Minnesota. Like people like want to talk about like how great Carl Anthony Towns is. Well, yeah, like Carl Anthony Towns has had basically two seasons where beyond a few games, like he has not really improved, or a season and a half where he hasn't really improved compared to how he played with Thibs. Yes. Yeah, so w- what was was Thibs? He was the second year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he went from looking up Towns' numbers right now. His rookie season, he was 18, 10 and a half um, on 54, 34 splits. And that was in 32 minutes. So second year, (laughs) this is the 37 minutes per game, second year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he, he was 25, 12 and a half, 54. 37 splits um and i think his advanced numbers went up uh so yeah. his, true sh- yeah, his true shooting went from 59 to 62 um yeah i mean some of that obviously you can't just say like it's all tibbs obviously like the guy was fucking 20 when he got drafted you're gonna get better but i mean I, like for all the shit tibbs caught like it was it was mostly about not playing towns enough at the five and like playing him with gibson I, if I remember, like it was yeah. like, why are they mm-hmm. too bigs? But I think we're seeing now why he didn't trust Towns to just like 
Wait, you're telling me Carl Anthony Towns isn't a good defender? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's shocking. I know. Um, yes, Carl Anthony Towns actually is terrific at defense. Surprisingly, I, I, I'm look, I cannot wait until he gets healthy and we can see he and D'Angelo Russell finally <laughs> play together because they're going to run this league. Like, listen, they may give up 170 points a night, but they're going to score at least 150. Yeah, I, I low key think that they're a stupid organization. Still, that's that's my my yeah. hot take on Minnesota. I think I think Rosas is like has like half of the idea understanding of what needs to be good, but like has actually like I I just don't see how you can watch this team for the first whatever the fucking fifty games or whatever they play it and be like, you know, what we need is D'Lo. What? <laughs> how is that what you need, man? That's what you need. You don't need D'Lo. <laughs> You need to fucking get like guys that can actually D up on the ball. Like, well, that's why they traded Robert Covington. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That makes sense. <laughs> it's it's and it's funny, man. Covington, what Houston's been on a tear since they got Covington. Yeah, part of me thinks that's less because of Covington and more because they were like the first team ever to be like, hey, listen, we got this James Harden guy and this Russell Westbrook guy, like two guys that really just yeah. need spacing. Yeah, so just like fuck the spacing. central position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's smart, but I think it's smart because just nobody else. Well, I guess Golden State figured it out a little bit, and the Cavs with LeBron figured it out. But like, you just do it, and you do better. I, I think it has less to do with Robert Covington being anything beyond like a good, not great player. But he's a really good defender, and the Wolves. Wait, they he's like need. perfect for Harden, right? Just like a yeah. low usage guy that'll d up and shoot threes, and like yep. not care about not having the ball a bunch. Right. Um, so I mean, there's that. So that's yeah, good. Well, no, it's a great fit. But by the way, Drew, did you do you know where Carlton Towns is from? He's from New Jersey. Yeah, but where in New Jersey? Oh, um, isn't he from South Jersey? I'm gonna give you a hint. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A town with just a fuck ton of Indian stores and Indian people. <laughs> oh, what's it called? Not not Elizabeth. Um. No, it's the place right. It's near Elizabeth. Oh fuck! What's that town called? It's like the population is like fifty percent Asian, and most of them are Indian, right? Edison. It's that town. <sighs> fuck! What's the name of the town? I completely Edison. forgot. Edison. That's what it was. Yeah, Edison. Yeah, that place. Oh man! Like I'm supposed to love guys from New Jersey. Like that's my. You know, that's my state. <laughs> and I just, I just can't with uh, with towns. I just can't. Cat. <laughs> Can't do it. You know, uh, Robert Covington is 21st in luck-adjusted five-year RAPM, which means, obviously, that he's the 21st best player in that five-year. He's a span. superstar in sheep's clothing. He yes. really is. I mean, he's he's better than Kevin Durant, Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah, you know, Nobly, Tim Duncan. Brooklyn really kind of just, like, screwed up here, right? They were like, you know what, let's give... I mean, they really screwed up, but they really, like... It was even worse than people like rational humans thought because they could have just made a trade for Robert Covington. I think, I think, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, they probably would have been better though. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, they would have been better. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. would you rather have Kyrie Irving or Robert Covington on your team? I mean, if you're telling me five year RAPM has Covington that much better, then <laughs> definitely Covington, but probably Covington. 
I know. <laughs> I still think I'm taking Covington though. That's yeah. the thing. Because it's I mean, like, do you want like do you want Covington as a role player or do you want Kyrie as like your main option? It's like I think I'd just rather have Covington as a role player. The thing, the thing that people always forget with Kyrie is like he's never actually done anything as the guy. No, like never. Like before LeBron showed up, he actually was trending down in terms of like overall career like i mean just like efficiency and i think his assist rate was going down year after year it was like very weird as kind of progression because his first year you were like this guy's definitely gonna be a superstar and then after two more years you were like well you know maybe like i don't know like, I don't the know darkest time i've ever had as a Cavs fan was when Cavs twitter was debating Dion waiters or kyrie irving like after like year <laughs> four and that there was actually like argument that it was a reasonable debate to be had <laughs> like LeBron had this great quote about Kyrie. It was like after they won the title and he makes this point and like nobody took this point for what LeBron actually was signaling. But so LeBron says like, you know, Kyrie is just, he is a superstar. And when Kyrie's in the game, the offense shifts because the offense has to shift because Kyrie just has this tremendous gravity. And like one of the reasons why like Kyrie's such a good fit with me is that that happens when I'm on the court, which means like I can do whatever the fuck I want because everybody's worried about Kyrie. But like the dark underbelly of that is, yeah, what went about when LeBron's not on the court? Oh man, yeah. I mean, they were always terrible. Like they were complete dogs. Always terrible. Answer, right? Oh my god. Like, Even like when they had Kyrie and Love together, it would be like complete ass. No, no, they were like a not just below 500 team without LeBron on the court, but it was like. It, it was like one of the worst teams in the NBA because he like literally an offense has to change when he's there. And if you don't have LeBron, that change isn't a good thing. It, like the, if you look at Kyrie's numbers this year, like when he's been healthy, it's incredibly impressive. Like he's incredibly efficient. The Nets offense is operating at an incredibly high level. Yet like their net rating sucks. <laughs> <laughs> And it's in large part because as good as their offense is with him on the court, if you just put like a similar skill set without him, it's better. And the defense is just so horrifically bad that it just outweighs any offensive improvement. Yeah, it's it. The whole thing with him is he's it's going to be fascinating, like how we view him at the end of his career, because like, is he even a top like, is he? I don't think he's a. T- I never. I don't think he's a top ten guy. I don't know if he's ever had a top ten level season. Like maybe the year they won the championship. No, that he season he was actually terrible because he was right. coming off injury. He's coming off the injury, right? The playoffs that year, he was yeah. unbelievable. But beyond that, like really beyond that one postseason, Kyrie has been a slightly above, like a plus kind of three guy every game, which is like good. It's it's good. It's like if Kyrie is getting he's, you, I I think he's closer to like a borderline All Star than he is like yeah. this, you know, fucking All NBA guy that yeah. a lot of people have like always. He's just such an interesting talent, and like he's a tantalizing talent because I've always said this about him is I like and in general like I think obviously the hardest thing in basketball the, the number one premier skill is just like if you can. Get the ball in any situation. Just being a great isolation scorer, like that has, it is the single most valuable skill in basketball. But that doesn't mean that, like, if you're good at that, it super, it 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 just can wipe away all the other flaws you might have as a player. 
Um, and in Kyrie's case, it's it's really hard because he's a point guard. So like, if anything, the importance of his isolation scoring is reduced because he sucks at like the other functions of point guard play. Like he he's not good at getting his team organized into sets. He he's not he doesn't know how to like distribute the ball and keep various guys happy. He's not a particularly fun player to play with, which I think is like an underrated part of everything. Um, like Lou Williams has his own issues, but Lou Williams, people seem to have fun playing with him. Teammates love Lou Williams. Well, Lou Williams is actually a decent passer. Like he's, right. a, I think, fairly underrated as a passer. He's just horrible at defense, but the passer, he's decent. Like Kyrie's not a good passer. Yeah, and it's like it's just. I mean, it, ultimately, the guys like it's who like. Being fun to play with is really a skill, and if you suck at that part of this, it's very hard. You can go down the list of like NBA point guards, right, of all time. The best guys, almost, I mean, the only guy you could really say that people were like, oh, he's not fun to play with is Chris Paul. Right. And and Chris Paul was, he's not fun to play with for totally different reasons than Kyrie. Like, it's like completely different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like a demanding psychopath. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Right. Like it has it's nothing to do with like, you know, he's dribbling the air out of the ball and not going anywhere with the possession and this like chucking right. up some bullshit and he doesn't try on defense. Like obviously Chris Paul, great defender, one of the best defenders of all time at the point guard position. But like, yeah, he's he not fun to play. Him. He's like he's like a fucking tool. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just ah oh, man, Kyrie is just such a such an enigma and it's like you always it's always guys like that because you're always like, if we can unlock this this upside and this talent, and it's like you always find a way to talk yourself into it because the talent is unquestionable. I mean, you just watch the guy play for like three minutes, and you're like, okay, yeah, so nobody can guard him, like, <laughs> right, like, okay, nobody can guard this guy, and he talk, and then I mean, I, I think guys have said this, and I don't remember who said it. I think I think Zach Lowe has talked about this in a podcast, but like how guys when they play with Kyrie, they're like. Yeah, like we just give Kyrie the ball, and it's hard to just not like stand there and watch him. Because... No, he's the most aesthetically pleasing player I've ever in almost any sport. Like, just like he's so aesthetically pleasing to watch. Yeah, I mean, and guys that like guys that have played with him apparently say this. Like, yeah, like it's hard to like stay engaged because we just give him the ball, and we're like, like, yeah, of course we're just gonna stand here and watch you like do your thing, and that's it. Like. You know, I think I think it was it might have been Jalen Brown that said that. It might have been. I don't know. Um, but I think it was, it was like basically Jalen Brown would say. Like, yeah. it just feels like a very Jalen Brown kind of quote. I think it was Jalen Brown where he was basically just like, "Look, like, should we move the ball better? And like, should we be cutting and all this stuff?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course, but like, it's hard to to justify doing that when you can just give the ball to Kyrie and he can just do whatever the fuck he wants and half the time it works." Like, right. You know, like, why the hell would we do anything else other than give him the ball? He's that good. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's – the Nets are – good luck to them, man. Not well, really. I don't understand. Like, you, have, you have Kenny Atkinson, which is – he's just, like, this visionary in team ball. Like, the Nets do some really cool stuff with cuts, with, like, off-ball screens, and they've always done it. And then it's like, okay, so with this type of coach, you know who we're going to sign? The two best isolation players in the NBA. <laughs> it's i mean the, the thing is like if if kevin durant was healthy then i understand the argument of like 
you have to do it. You have to do it. Like, I get it. If Kevin yeah. Durant's healthy, then yes, you do have to do that. You have to, like, you have to just sign him and Kyrie and, like, you know, I'm sorry. Like, it's like with Mike D'Antoni where it was like, yeah, look, man, like, I know you don't like Carmelo, but he's on your roster, so figure it out. Like, right. you know, like, you got to fucking maximize this guy. And that's what you basically would be doing with, with Kenny Atkin. But once Katie ruptures his Achilles, I don't think that argument holds that as much water because, like, you know, especially like they what they both signed three plus one deals, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then part of the the agreement is that you have to give DeAndre Jordan four forty million guaranteed. So like <laughs> at that point, you know KD's probably out the entire first year. Okay. You also know that Kyrie not coming off like a, a serious injury or anything, but you know he's very injury prone. So you're really only guaranteed to get two years out of these guys together. No, uh, no, you're also guaranteed four years of DeAndre Jordan. Right, and also that. <laughs> like, like two years of KD and Kyrie together, and KD's coming off of the single worst injury a high-level athlete could have, uh, and he's, he's going to be 32 when he cuts back. Like, I just don't see how that... I don't know, man. Like, I Personally, as soon as KD went down, I was like, all right, I, I hope the Knicks don't sign this guy, because, and you know, like, this never, that, that shit never ends well. He's not like this idea is just going to come back and be KD again. I think it's bananas. Like, I really think it's bananas. I think it's more, like, uh, I, I just, I, I don't like, what's the example of a guy that came back after Achilles rupture and put together like three high level seasons? Rudy like, Gay. But I mean, you know, <laughs> the thing that's crazy, like, Rudy Gay's efficiency actually went up after, but if He's you the look only at his, guy. Yeah, but like, I'm not just that, like, his load has gone down tremendously, though, yeah. too. He also went to the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's a pretty big. Uh... There's this variable somewhere in the background that must be explaining what's going on. Well, uh, that could be a good place to end our show. We've been doing this for a while now. We touched on all the important stuff. We didn't really cover the Pacers game at all for the next. But I mean, it's whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's fine. yeah, I mean, it's just like yeah, whatever. It's like a yeah, loss is loss. They so put uh, in a good effort, good defense. Yeah, good job, good effort. Yeah. Um, Jordan, what do you want to plug? Um, I guess my Twitter, it's at Sports by Stats. But beyond that, just like, thanks for having me on, you guys. This was fun. Oh, yeah, yeah that's never a problem. You're always you're always welcome. You're you're going to become a, a, a top guest, I would say. Yeah. Of the uh, of the program. Uh, Shwin, you plugging anything? No. No. OK, I don't think I am either. So. I got nothing, unfortunately. <laughs> that time it's that time of year. So that's it for our show. We will see you next week. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs>